thank you so much for the privilege of, of uh, fellowshipping with you again today uh, at uh, Bow Desert. Uh, we see a lot of familiar faces. It's good to see. We're, we've been away for, for, in mission work for 14 years now. So uh, we sort of, sometimes we feel like we're losing touch with our, all our friends. And uh, it's good to see some friends again today. And uh, just to be, uh, thank you so much, Fernand, for your very warm welcome. And uh, I've never met Pastor Neil, but I uh, really appreciate his uh, willingness to let me share uh, today. And it's good to see uh, uh, Faye and Clive and uh, Marilyn and uh, Frank and his wife and um, Billow, appreciated the uh, saxophone. And uh, it's good to see the clans. And um, we, we just uh, appreciate being here with all of you. I think there's some other ones that we know. Do we? Eunice, okay, yes, thank you. Is this my, it seems like I need to hide it behind my shirt a bit. No? Is that been better? It's better, okay. Maybe a bit further down. Is that a bit better? Okay. Maybe I should turn this away. Okay. So um, now we would like to uh, share some, some brochures with you. The first one, uh, let me just have a look, is uh, it's actually a summary of our sermon. So um, let me just flick that on the screen there. Uh, we'd like to share this with you so that you can take something with you when you go. Um, this is uh, the first one is, is a brochure on the sermon, it's the sermon title with the main content of, of the, thing that, the things that I'll be sharing today. Uh, the mind, entering the mind of a missionary, uh, that's today's message. Uh, there's also a brochure in there called um, a Total Member Involvement, which we, this is, um, we're heavily involved in a, in a church uh, which, is, which is utilizing Total Member Involvement. And we want to share that with this church, from our church to your church how we actually implement, implemented total member involvement in the local church. Very powerful strategy, which is an initi initiative from the General Conference. We want every church to have the opportunity to, uh, for us, way out there in the, in the bush in Gawa, to be able to share with churches here in uh, Vanuatu as well. Uh, there's also a brochure in here, which is talking about our, our, our church school, which we were able to plant. And it's uh, just sharing some of the needs that we have for that school. Uh, for those who want giving opportunities, uh, you could help us in that way. Uh, we also have a brochure on a wellness center that we are about to establish in Vanuatu, which will be a church, a denominational entity, and uh, may be the first wellness center established in the South Pacific Division, if God uh, blesses and we have um, uh, good support for that. And so these are just. This is another brochure, just sharing with you how you could be help in uh, helping in in a, in a. If you wanted another giving opportunity, you could help with um, with that wellness center. So that's just a, a brief overview. If you want to see uh, these brochures when you're leaving the church, Naomi will be able to share those with you. Um, and so that's just so that you have something uh, to t to take with you. Uh, but now we're going to, uh, now what I'd like to do is to share a mission story first. Is that okay? I'll share a little bit of what's happening uh, in this mission project, and then we will go into the message. But we're going to start with, uh, with the book of, uh, we've, we've had our, our mission, I mean, our, um, our scripture reading, which was Acts chapter 1, 7, and 8. But uh, I would like us to, to have a look at, um, uh, at the, that text again. It says, it, it is not for you to know, uh, the times and the seasons which the Father has put in His own authority. But you shall receive what? You shall receive power when the Holy Spirit has come upon you and you shall be witnesses unto me. Where? In Jerusalem and Judea and Samaria and to the uttermost parts of the earth. So the, the text here is implying that Jesus wants us to wait in Jerusalem. That's what He told His disciples, to wait in Jerusalem until they receive power, power, the power that is needed in order to uh, witness. And it's the promise of power, the promise of the Holy Spirit. The, the witness was to be in four different areas. I want us to take notice of the four different areas where, where the Lord says we, we need to witness. Okay? We need to, we need to be witnesses in our Jerusalem. 
that means our locality, where we are, okay? And uh, then in Judea, Jerusalem was actually within Judea. So Judea is the, um, the area around the, the locality where we are. And then Samaria was a little bit further off. It was, it was not actually the same area. It was a different area, but close by. Uh, Samaria was where the sort of half-Jews lived. They were sort of regarded as not true, um, um, true Jews. And then, uh, and then from there to where? To the uttermost parts of the earth. So this is how the Lord works. And I want us to, to go through this today, and we'll have a look at how this is actually happening in our lives and can happen uh, in each one of our experiences. But uh, I want to start with this mission story. Is that okay? We hear a mission story first, and then we hear about mission. We get some motivation for mission. Okay, so do you, wanna, do you want some mission today? You want that? You like that? Okay, so we want to we wanna start with the question, why did we end up in Gawa? How did we end up in this island called Gawa in northern Vanuatu? Well, we decided that we were going we to choose the nearest and the neediest. And so we, we could have said, okay, let's choose the nearest and the neediest within Australia. But we decided not to. We decided we were going to choose the nearest and the neediest outside Australia. That was just a choice we made. And so we decided to go for Vanuatu because it's pretty near. Did you know that where we live in Gawa is closer to you today than Perth? It's actually closer to this locality than Perth. It is not too far away. Okay? And so it's the nearest and neediest. And when we got to, uh, uh, we, when we looked at Vanuatu, we, we decided to choose the most needy province within Vanuatu which is the northern province. It's the poorest province, uh, province, and it's up there towards the Solomon Islands. And uh, we decided to choose Gawa because it's the gateway to that province when you're heading north. Okay, So that's how we chose to be in, uh, at Gawa and Gawa Island. So when we started out 14 years ago, 2005, we bought this boat, and uh, we set out on our journey from Port Vila, which is the capital, to go up north. Little did we know that we would we were risking our lives to go in this tiny little boat across the Pacific Ocean, across the Pacific Ocean. But the Lord protected us. We were so green. We didn't know how dangerous it was. And uh, by God's grace, we ended up uh, traveling on this boat to this island of Gawa. And we were given a house which nobody had ever lived in before us because there was a dispute as to who actually had the right to live in it. There were several different owners and they were all confused as to who should stay there. And so we were allowed to stay when no one else had been able to stay there. And we stayed there for two years. And at the end of two years, we were donated an aircraft. And when we were donated the aircraft, we wanted to move to the airstrip area on the, on the island. And, so, and at that very weekend when we left uh, this house, uh, a hurricane hit that island and destroyed, uh, took, down, took the roof off this uh, of this house. So nobody have, has ever lived in it after us either. And so that is the, um, the house that we started off in. And we started in this very small uh, little clinic here. Uh, this was my first uh, medical clinic where we started uh, working uh, for patients. And this was our communication with the outside world, very remote. At that time, there was no mobile phones. There was very little uh, in the way of shipping or flights. And so this was our communication link with the outside world. Occasionally, we got to use uh, a phone that was, uh, there was long queues, and often the battery went flat just when you went to, to use it. It was a public phone, but it's, it wasn't much good. And this was our home, and we helped the church, uh, the little church that was already there, a little church that was worshiping in this building here, very primitive. We helped them to dig the foundations and to, to build a church, which is now Matavanga Organized. Uh, Seventh-day Adventist Church, and it's now uh, planting other churches, and we're now planting a church uh, which is um, looking at um, uh, getting organized in the near future. Just recently, we had the biggest baptisms, the baptism that we've ever, the Adventist Church has ever seen in the, in the province, and uh, it was really good to see so many people making decisions for baptism. That's the team, the mission team that is involved in this work. It's uh, myself, uh, my wife Naomi is with us. Uh, our adopted children, Natalia and Mariah. And, um, and also we're going to have uh, Ben and Yana from uh, Malgravat Church coming to help us in the near future. In the past we had Scotty and Kathy, but they've just finished. 
And uh, Kay was also with us. She's now based in Australia. Uh, she's just delivered. He, she's also with us this morning. Okay, Galway is very famous for water music. Nowhere else in the world do you have uh, this kind of music. Women get in the water there and then they move their hands and they, they beat the, um, they beat the uh, water and they, they can make special music with it. We also have a very active volcano and we have the largest lake in, uh, in Vanuatu there. We have a huge 120 meter waterfall, which is the biggest waterfall in the South Pacific. And so Galway is known for these things. Now we were donated an aircraft and we ended up building this hangar uh, with the help of many people from uh, Queensland, Southeast Queensland. And this, this hangar is now um, is being used to great avail in the, in the work that we're involved in. We also built a, a medical center, which is uh, which was at the, with the help of the Yugoslav Adventist Church and, in uh, Salisbury. And uh, the youth came and they built that church, uh, that uh, medical center. And the patient house was built by the local people using local materials. So it's been a collaborative effort, uh, effort involving literally hundreds of people and donations from many, many different people. Literally thousands of people have been involved and, and, uh, and it has reached tens of thousands of people involving a lot, of, um, a lot of people. And so this aircraft flies into bush airstrips. Uh, we're, we're involved in um, uh, bush airstrips in, in five different locations, and we're looking at three more different bush airstrips to put these bush airstrips in. And uh, they're being uh, used on a, on a regular basis. Some of the stories behind these, these airstrips is totally amazing. And, um, and um, yeah, the clan family, and the Voltoa family, they, they were obviously involved in this. And we also have um, had many, many hundreds of, of local people involved in these airstrips, making these airstrips. And so the, this little bush plane flies into um, uh, these little airstrips. That's, um, that's one called Mota. And uh, I'm sure uh, Peter's looking there and he's thinking of the big trees that he had to cut down there. Unbelievable the amount of work that was involved in that. And so that is uh, an airstrip that is uh, many people have flown in and out of that airstrip in uh, Mota. You can see they're pretty short, and you've got to avoid the coconuts and trees as you're coming in. It's, uh, you have to be, uh, get training as a bush pilot to do this kind of stuff. So this is on Marilava uh, following the um, celebrations after the completion of the airstrip. As you can see, literally hundreds of people <laughs> involved in this massive job to make these airstrips. And um, lots of people being, uh, being reached through this. And um, the people just look at that plane. It's their plane. This is their plane. This gift that we were given, if you want to know, know the story behind that aircraft, it's an amazing story. Uh, it's called Miracle Mall. Uh, it's just, just an incredible story how God provided that, that aircraft from, uh, uh, from a, a donor in the U.S. Um, called Joe. And um, uh, God really used Joe to give us that uh, that aircraft. And so everybody knows this plane. It's uh, widely known. Everybody in the province knows, knows the plane. Everybody. They, they just are familiar with the aircraft. And uh, we are reaching a different, 15 different islands. There are 11 different language groups. And so when we, the patients coming from all over the province, when they stay in our patient house, then we have to greet them in multiple different languages. So we will say things like Tolonua or Talenpenpong, then Tapnawe, Flowe, depending on which, which island they come from, Matapawuya, Matakau, Matapawuya, that's the hardest one I find out, that's Torres. And then Lemtapneituk, all these different islands, they have a different way of saying good morning. That's just, that's just to greet them, and, and to learn all the languages is quite a feat. But fortunately, nearly everybody knows Bislama, so we speak Bislama fluently. Okay, we're involved in... Um, uh, some emergency procedures, uh, which keeps us busy and keeps us um, sweating in the, in the heat. And we were involved in starting a school, which the, the, um, the mission asked us to do, to start a mission school. And so we have established Matavanga Adventist Primary and Special Needs School, which is now looking at becoming a secondary school. Uh, we're actually, we made the decision to go for that, and we're working through the registration process to go to secondary level as well. So that's a big job in itself. It's a beautiful location. Uh, when we walked onto this property, it was all bush, and now there are hundreds of children coming there, parents coming there, there's um, so many lives being touched. It's got a fantastic reputation. Um, the people love this school. There's huge, lo long 
lists of people who want to be enrolled, children that need to be enrolled. Uh, the queue is over two years to get into the school. And the results have been we've had a 100% pass rate with all of our school year eight leavers. They've all, had a, all passed the national exams. So the, not 100% each, but I mean 100% of those, those students have passed the national exam year eight. So it's been a good, it's been a good witness. Um, the, uh, the, we have deaf children there. We're the only school in Vanuatu reaching the deaf. Uh, we, have, we have a curriculum that's actually tailored for, for the deaf and for the hearing. And so because of that, we're quite recognized. And also, we have a trade school uh, associated. We're, it's a small, it's only small, but we're developing that, teaching uh, some of the young boys how to do construction and furniture and things like that. So there's a lot happening in this school. It's a busy school. We have really good teachers. These are our teachers, and uh, they're a faithful team. And uh, we're just ble really blessed to have such, uh, such good people working with us. So that's the mission story. Do you like that? Yeah. It's encouraging to see what's happening in different places and how, you know, how, how we started, started with nothing and how God is blessed. And you know what? I want us to focus on this text again. Can we pray? Shall we pray? Father in heaven. Thank you so much for calling us to be involved in mission. Lord, we just thank you and praise you that you are working in a special way. And I just pray that you'll bless Old Desert Church as we share this morning, as we uh, open your word and as we discuss the things in your word. Help us, Lord, to uh, learn from these things. Please, Father, bless us this morning, we pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Okay, I want us to look uh, once more at that text. Can you see how it started with teaching and witnessing and sharing in Jerusalem? And then in? Where? Judea. And then? Samaria. And then to the uttermost parts of the earth. Did you know that when we went to Vanuatu, we thought that people would forget who we are and forget and we would, be, we would no longer be known. We would just be lost in the bush in Vanuatu. That's the feeling we had. That was even a question that I had. Was, does God, is this me hiding my light under a bushel by going to the bush and, and nobody will even know where I am, let alone what I'm doing or what I can do for them? That was a, a concern that I had. I thought, well... I guess Jesus must have felt the same way when he left heaven. And I thought, well, <clears throat> we were thinking, it's, it, if God's called us to mission, let him take care of that. But you know what's so amazing is the exact opposite is what's happened. Because Jesus said in Jerusalem, and then Judea, and then Samaria, and then literally to the uttermost parts of the earth. That's what he said. What's so amazing is, since we've been in Vanuatu, there's been three international televisions, secular international television stations that have come to actually make programs about this project, which have been televised on secular television. One in, one in Britain and two on French, uh, French Channel, Channel 3 and Channel 5 International. Isn't that amazing? You know, we really, really thought we'd be lost. Nobody would know who we are. But this is what's happened. Uh, it's another thing that's happened is we've started, to, we've started to realize that people are coming to us from all over the world. You know, when we got there, we started working with, um, with people, with the sick, and things have got busier. And we have a lot of patients. Sometimes it's full on from morning to evening with patients. And one of the things I really don't like is interruptions, especially people who come from overseas. That's been my pet sort of dislike. I don't like it when people come from overseas and they come and they come, they want to come and um, discuss things with me or see me or whatever. When I'm actually busy, I went to reach the people of Vanuatu. I went there to help the local people. I didn't go to help these people who come on a on a yacht or. Or, or some tourist that's coming through. But you know what? As time's gone by, I've started to realize that my attitude was wrong. Because Jesus said, in Jerusalem, and then Judea, and then Samaria, and then to the uttermost parts of the earth. You know what I'm saying? The Lord 
has, has really made, uh, impressed me recently that he is sending people. We have had people from all over the world. I am not kidding. We've had people from Italy. Just this past few couple of months, we've had people from Italy, from Brazil, from uh, Belgium, from Switzerland, from French Switzerland and German Switzerland. We've had people, in, in the past, we've had people from Norway. We've had people from South America. We've had people from North America. We've had people from China. We've had people from Fiji. We've had people from Solomons. We've had people from Africa. We've had people from all over the world coming to Gawa. Isn't that amazing? We've had secular people coming. Just recently, we had this guy from Italy. He um, was an aircraft engineer, and he came and he saw that I had uh, an issue with my transponder antenna on the aircraft, and uh, he, he, he said he could help me. I, had, I, had, I, I was going to have to bring it to Australia to get it fixed. Uh, but he, he said, I can help you with it. That, that just needs a bit of this and a bit of that. And so I said, okay, well, I'd love for you to help me. But what was so amazing about that was how persistent he was to come and help, help us. It's like he was actually joining the team. You know, it felt like he was one of the, one of the volunteers from, uh, from the Adventist church. The Adventist church had sent from uh, southeast Queensland or something like that. But this guy was a non-Adventist. I don't even know if he was a Christian. And here he is insisting on helping me. And so, and here's, here's a photo of someone. I've, I've kind of blacked out, blanked out his face there, so we don't, we don't know who it is. But this gentleman, um, the one sitting next to him is, da is David Enterman. You know David Enterman? Anybody know David Enterman? Okay, David Enterman, he came over to help us. You know David, thank you. David come, came over to help us with, um, uh, because he, we did a presentation at, at Stanthorpe and, he's, and, and we, we t told the people we need help with, uh, with the solar system. Well, he, he realized that. So he decided to come over, but he brought this non-Adventist expert in solar power to come and help him. Uh, when he came, we, this guy is not a church man. He's not a church man. But by joining the team... By coming with David, staying with David, coming to help us, he ends up in church. And when we prayed, he closed his eyes and he was praying with us. So what's happening is this. People are coming from all over the world and people are getting involved in helping us who are from a completely secular background. Do you like that? Isn't that amazing? Jesus said in Jerusalem and in Judea, and in Samaria, and then to the uttermost parts of the earth. That's what Jesus said. So that's what's happening. And so we're starting to feel that God is, is doing things. Another thing that happened was uh, the general conference president of the Adventist Church. Did you know the GC president? You know what his name is? Pastor Ted Wilson. He came, he came to see um, our, our ministry as well. That's what's, uh, that, that, that really amazed us as well, how that worked. Saw some of our serious cases. And he prayed for the wellness center that we're planning. And actually, that, that property that he prayed for, uh, that didn't actually work out. But the, the idea of the wellness center, uh, which we, we, we uh, sort of uh, were coming up with uh, just at that time, he prayed for the wellness center. And just uh, two weeks ago, I was speaking to Pastor Ted Wilson again on the phone, and, um, and he prayed again for the wellness center. So it's still on. It's still going. But uh, the actual location is going to be changed. Uh, this would have been ideal in some ways because it's right next to the hangar. But in actual fact, we, um, we realized there were some issues. Mainly, this is, it's got too many stones on it. And uh, not only that, uh, the person um, uh, who owns the property, uh, there was a change in, in situation. I won't, I won't go into the detail, but basically, it's no longer available. But he did pray for the wellness center. And we ask if we, if we can call it the Wilson Adventist Wellness Center. And this wellness center um, is something that is a church, uh, a church project. It's, a, it's been, a, uh, we have the endorsement of the Vanuatu Mission to go ahead with this as a denominational uh, entity. So we're going through the stages um, in doing this. Now, something that, that's uh, occurred to us is that we have something that attracts people from all over the world. 
people come all over the world to see this island because of this amazing volcano. There's four, the, one of the four largest and most active volcanoes in the country. It's the largest lake in the country, and it's the largest waterfall in the South Pacific, and it's a beautiful, it's a conservation area. It is a, a world heritage site. Um, it is a, a geopark. People come here to see the volcano because they want to study volcanoes. And it's also what's called a, um, uh, a Ramsar wetlands conservation area. So all of this is making it, um, uh, sort of making us, we've been there for 14 years and we've known this, but we just, just recently the Lord's showing us that we could be involved in uh, reaching people from all over the world. And so we're on the road to wellness and you can read more about the road to wellness in a little brochure that, we've, um, that we can give you. It's called The Road to Wellness. And this is a plan that we have uh, to put in a road into this conservation area. We have approval for the Adventist Church to put a wellness center in this conservation area. And you'll hear more about it later, I'm sure. And so it's a beautiful waterfall, and it's in a very, a very special location. And are we connected with audio? Aiden, we do have audio, yeah? <clears throat> this is some music that I, I like to play. When we went up the hill, we played this music near this waterfall. And um, we would like to create a location which will be attractive to people from all over the world. We want to be able to bring patients. We want to, we want to invite people to come from anywhere to come and receive healing. Uh, through the water, water therapy that's possible uh, because of the beautiful water on this island. So we want you to pray for us. Will you pray for us? Ask God to help us to establish a wellness center that's, that's going to reach the people, continue to reach the people in Gawa and uh, Toba province, but also reach people from other places as well, including uh, Port Vila and, Sant uh, and Santo and even to the uttermost parts of the earth. So that's a little bit of um, nice music there just to make you feel comfortable. Okay. All right. So this is a, this is a plan uh, about the road, a, a plan for the road to wellness. And uh, this, these are the beautiful views that we have access to through uh, putting a wellness center there. We're working on it. So please, please pray for us. And so like, and now I'd like us to go into our message. And w once again, I want us to look at our text. Let's go to Luke chapter 24 because that kind of repeats the same theme. If we have a look, uh, at, uh, Luke, uh, look at Luke, a look at Luke, uh, Dr. Luke, he was a missionary, wasn't he? He was the doctor that worked with Paul. He was like the, the missionary side of the, the team that was work, uh, getting around with Paul when they were doing mission work in, uh, in the Mediterranean area. If you go to Luke chapter 24, you, you, you read the, the, the famous last words of Jesus, Okay. The last words of Jesus before he ascended to heaven. Not before he died. Uh, they were a different uh, set of uh, last words. But the words before he ascended to heaven are found here in Luke chapter 24. And it says this. Verse 45, it says, He opened their understanding that they may comprehend the scriptures. And then he said to them, Thus it is written, and thus it was necessary for the Christ to suffer and to rise from the dead the third, third day and that repentance and remission of sin should be preached to, in His name to all nations, beginning where? Jerusalem. Beginning in Jerusalem. There you have the same kind of uh, pattern language coming through. And you are witnesses of these things. So there's the same language coming through again. And behold, I send you the promise of my Father upon you, but tarry in the city of Jerusalem. Wait in Jerusalem. There's a time when you have to be in Jerusalem until you are endued from, with power from on high. And if you go back to Acts chapter 1, you find out that he repeats, this, this um, Luke repeats the same thought there because he, he kind of finishes off. Luke wrote, wrote, wrote the book of Acts as well. And he starts the book of Acts with the, the last words that Jesus spoke in, in Luke uh, 24. And there we see um, Jesus is saying the same thing, uh, wait for the promise of my Father. And then the, 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 the disciples are saying, Lord, will you at this time restore the kingdom uh, to Israel? And he said, it is not for you to know the times or the seasons to which the Father has put in his own authority, but you shall receive power when the Holy Spirit has come upon you and shall be witnesses to me in Jerusalem, 
and in all Judea and Samaria and to the ends of the earth. So I want us to enter into the mind of a missionary. A missionary. Is that okay? Jesus was the greatest missionary the world has ever known. And Jesus, he, he can teach us. He can teach us. Amen? Do you want to be a missionary? Did you know that everybody's called to be a missionary? Everybody is called to be a disciple, and every disciple is called to be a missionary. This is our inescapable missionary. God has called us all to be missionaries. Every Christian has been called to participate in the great gospel commission. Commission means mission together. That's found in Matthew chapter what? Matthew chapter? We don't know, that. We don't know our mission. Our mission state is found in Matthew chapter 28, verses 18 to 20. That is the job description of the Christian church, the Christians of the world. Their job description is found in Matthew chapter 28, verses 18 to 20, the Great Gospel Commission, and a co-mission is a mission together, a mission together that God has called us to. But the Seventh-day Adventist church have been, in, been given a particular mission. It, is, it kind of goes on top of the Gospel Commission. And that is found in Revelation what? Chapter, uh, Revelation chapter 14, verses 6 to 12, which is the three angels' messages. And I saw another angel flying in the midst of heaven, having the everlasting gospel to preach unto them that dwell upon the earth, and to every nation and kindred and tongue and people. That sounds like the uttermost parts of the earth, doesn't it? Saying with a loud voice, fear God and give glory to Him. Why? Because the hour of His judgment is come. And worship Him that made what? The heaven and the earth and the sea and the fountains of waters. Amen? You like that? We are called to, to, uh, we are, we are, we are to call the attention of, of the people of this world to the one who made heaven and earth the sea and the fountains of waters. We're going to show them the fountains of waters. We're going to show them His creation. That's what the Sabbath is all about. It's about pointing everybody back to the Creator. They're talking about the Big Bang. They're talking about how we evolved. They can't stop talking about this, how we are glorified monkeys. We come from, we are just, we are just glorified monkeys. We are just monkeys without tails. And we have, uh, we are heading uh, up, we're heading up from being monkeys. That is what that's what the world wants us to believe. That, that God says that we are made in His image, and we are created beings. That we are created with um, uh, with the uh, the ability um, to make decisions and to form a moral character. So I want us to go through basically uh, what it means to be a missionary. Amen. You like that? Let's ask God to help us. To enter into the mind of Jesus, to enter into the mind of a missionary, okay? Because Jesus was the greatest missionary the world has ever known. And so what we're going to go through is uh, A, B, C, D, E. And that is, um, these are the, just, the, um, uh, just a way of remembering how we can become a missionary, how we can enter the mind of a missionary. Let's start with A, A for ask. Okay, shall we go to uh, 1 Timothy chapter 2 verse 1? 1 Timothy chapter 2, verse 1. And I want us to look at this main thought here. 1 Timothy chapter 2, verse 1. It says this. Therefore I exhort, first of all, you see that? First of all, that supplications, prayers, intercessions, and giving of thanks be made for all men. Okay, I want to I suggest that if you want to be a missionary, then first of all, you need to start praying. Praying is the beginning of becoming a missionary. In fact, prayer is the breath of the missionary. When we become missionaries, we learn the importance of praying for people. You know what? It is impossible for us to become a missionary until we start to pray for people. And that's not just, oh, Lord, help the people, or help the missionaries over there, or help the sick, or help those who don't have food. Bless those who don't have food. We have food. Thank you, Lord, for giving us food. Bless those who don't have food. What's wrong with that prayer? What's wrong with that kind of prayer? Bless those who are sick. What's wrong with that prayer? It's too vague. It's too wishy-washy. 
the Lord wants us to pray for people. He wants us to pray specifically. Mention them by name. Think about the people that you are praying for. Get involved in thinking of what they're going through and pray for them in particular. That's the beginning point. That's the starting point for those who want to become missionaries. If we don't pray, we're not going to become missionaries. Let's go to Romans chapter 8, verse 26. What if you can't pray? What if you feel like you can't pray? Let's start with zero. Let's say you are struggling to become even, even a prayerful person. You don't even know how to pray. You are struggling with the whole idea of prayer. Maybe prayer is something you are, you are not very familiar with. How are you going to pray? How, what are you going to do about this? Have a look at Romans 8 verse 26. There is encouragement here in Romans 8 verse 26. It says, Likewise, the Spirit also helps in our weakness, for we do not know what we should pray for as we ought. Do you like that? You do, we do not know what we should pray for as we ought. But the Spirit Himself makes intercession for us with groanings which cannot be uttered. In other words, if you don't know how to pray, the Lord's going to send the Holy Spirit. He's going to help you to, to, to pray. He's going to give you the words to pray. And so you can become a person of prayer. You know what, the, what is, is, we have realized in that, and that is this. When you start praying for people, things start happening. And uh, praying for somebody other than yourself is the beginning of a total transformation in your life. When you start praying for somebody other than you, you you're with me? When you're starting to pray for somebody other than yourself, now something is going to start happening. So ask the question, Lord, who shall I pray for? Who, who do you pray for? Did you pray for somebody this morning? Can you think of who, who, who you're actually praying? You know, if you read the story of Ellen White, she used to pray for one person at a time. If you read in the, in the, in the testimonies, the early stages in her life, she used to pray for somebody until they were converted. Just used to pray. Just pray, pray, pray until she saw that person converted. Is that what you're doing? Are you praying for somebody? Man, if we don't pray for anybody, we are not going to be missionaries. We're not going to be able to do anything because prayer is the beginning. Some people like doing a prayer walking. They go into a community. They want to reach a community. They want to go down the street the street that they know that God wants them to reach. They don't know where to start. They don't know what to do. But they walk through the street, and as they're passing the houses, they say, Lord, I don't know how we're going to get into that house. I have no idea. Their hearts are hard as steel. I don't know how we're going to reach these people. But Lord, please, can you do something to reach that person's heart? Have you done that for your neighbors? Have you done that for your, for your, your friends and your, the people you work with? Just pray for them. If you don't pray, you're not going to be able to reach anybody. Prayer is the beginning. It's the starting point. No prayer, no power. Jesus said, wait in Jerusalem and pray for power to do the work, to witness. Pray that God will bless those people and God will bless you and give you the words, the way, the methods, the mindset, the heart, the attitude. The, the desire to reach somebody who's lost. Are you going to pray? What do you reckon? Do you like that one? A for, A for ask God, who shall I pray for? Who shall I pray for? Lord, who do you want me to pray for? What am I on this world for? Who did I come to this world for? Why am I here on this planet? Why am I here? I'm here for somebody. Please, Lord, can you show me who it is? We decided to give our lives to the people of Toba province. We chose the nearest and the neediest, and we just gave ourselves to these people. We're praying for these people. We give ourselves completely to them. When you pray, something is going to start happening. I'll read a quote from Ellen White. It says, The church being endowed with the righteousness of Christ, is his depository in which the wealth of his mercy, his love, his grace is to appear in full and final display. The declaration in his intercessory prayer, that's John, 8, John 17, that the Father's love is as great towards us as toward himself, the only begotten Son, and that we shall be with him where he is, 
forever one with Christ and the Father is a marvel to the heavenly host and is their greatest joy. The intercessory prayer of Jesus in John 17 is the greatest marvel to the angels that he could pray for people. Do you want, do you want to pray for people? Do you want to start praying for people? Should we start doing it? Let's start praying like we've never prayed before. Amen? Let's start praying for people. Okay, let's go to the next one. Let's ask. A for ask. Let's go to B. I like this one. Be like Jesus. What does that mean? Well, if you look in, um, in uh, Ministry of Healing, it gives you the key. How are you to reach people? This, Ministry of Healing, page 143. What did I say? Ministry of Healing, page 143. Which book? Ministry of Healing by Ellen G. White. This will give you the key how to reach people. This is what mission is all about. It says Christ's method alone. What did I say? Christ's methods alone will give true success. That means nothing will work unless and until you use Christ's method. Christ's method alone will give true success in reaching the people. Do you want to reach the people? Use Christ's method. The Savior mingled with men as one who desired their good. They've got to see that you desire their good. That's the first thing. Okay? He, he showed his sympathy as the people behold that you actually are mingling with them. You, can, you actually desire their good. Then start to show sympathy. That's like the second step. Show sympathy for them demonstrate to them that you are actually in sympathy with their situation and their needs. Then minister to those needs. Once you show sympathy to people, you will start to discover that they have needs. The needs will start to stick out like a sore thumb. Something somewhere, somewhere will, 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 will uh, explain to or, or demonstrate to you that there is a need. And once you know what that need is, then you can start to minister to the needs of that person. And then, when you are ministering to their needs, you're going to win their confidence. Because, inevitably, once you are ministering to them, they will think, yes, this person cares for me, and I know that what they're doing is right. I believe in them, and they will trust you, and they will you will win their confidence. And then you can say, what's the last bit? Come. Come, follow me. That's what Jesus did. So it's a come and go message. We go and we invite people to come. And when they come, Jesus sends them to go. And when they go, they send others to come. Go. Come. Go. And it's just, a, it's like a, it's like a ripples in a pond. It goes around the world. Their needs, I want you to notice, right in the middle of this statement is the needs of the people. Ministry of Healing page? 143. Minister to their needs. That is actually the foundation of all that's happening here. Ministering to the needs of others. And notice that this is, this is all about their needs, and it's not all about your gifts. Can I say that again? It's all about their needs, but it's not about your gifts. Did you hear me? It's not about your gifts. Some of us approach witnessing and our work focusing on our gifts. And there are seminars and there are questionnaires and people do all these things to discover my spiritual gift and then they get this idea that this is my gift and they're stuck on it and they're not focusing on the needs of the people. You know, when, I went, when we went to Vanuatu, I did not know how to build a hangar. It wasn't my gift. Nobody ever taught me how to build a hangar and I didn't, didn't even have the money or the know-how or anything. I could not say to anybody, I have the gift of building hangers. But because there was a need for the hanger, I, I, took, I went to somebody and said, how do we do a hanger? We need a hanger. How do we, how do we build a hanger? Somebody gave a plane. Now I need a hanger. When I went to the person, they said to me, well, do you want it to be square or do you want it to be round shape? Or what kind of 
And I said, I don't know, you tell me. And he said, well, go for a round one, a round roof. Semicircular type building. They're much stronger. I said, oh, okay. And then, he, and then I said, so can you help me to design one? He said, well, you, you make a little sketch and I'll help you. So I did a little sketch and then he, and then he said, no, 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 no. That's the wrong size. You've got to make it like this. And Then he changed it a bit and he said, look, I want you to go and see this other guy called Brad. And I went to see Brad and I took my plans and everything that I put on there, he changed every single thing that I'd done. I had it all wrong. I had everything wrong from the very beginning. I didn't have the gifts. I didn't have the know-how. I didn't have the experience. I did not know how to do a hanger. But we built a hanger. Because somebody helped me. Somebody else helped me. I didn't have to know. God, God is not, he, he is not struggling for talent. God has everything he needs. Is that right? So what we need to do is we need to start thinking about the needs of the people. Minister to the needs of the people. God will take care of everything else. We don't have to focus on our gifts because our gifts are probably not going to be sufficient. Jesus was focused on mission. Go to Matthew 20, verse 28. I'm going to have to shorten this because I know we're going to get getting close to lunch already. Matthew verse 20, verse 28. Matthew 20, verse 28, it says, we'll read verse 27. It says, whosoever desires to be first among you, let him be your slave or your servant. Just as the Son of Man did not come to be served or, or ministered unto, but to minister or serve and to give his life as a ransom for many. Service. Service to the needs of those who are in need. Now, one of the things that people could ask is, as an Australian, you look around and how many needy people do you see? We do, there, we do see people with needs, but we also see a lot of people who need nothing. People who have got everything the eye can see. People who own everything that they could want or desire. But inside the heart of man, is a need that is much deeper than all of those things. And that is the need to be needed. Did you hear what I said? What was I saying? The need to be needed. Everybody's got a need to be needed. Did you know that? Even a, a complete secular mind with, with everything they have there. I own everything. They own cars and houses and everything. There is still an emptiness in them because God put in their, in their heart a need to be needed. And they will never be satisfied until you go and ask them to help you in doing God's work. So that's what, that's what, I'm, that's what we're discovering. We're discovering that the need, for need to, to be needed is actually one of, one of the keys to being involved in mission. Let's have a look at our next slide. Let's be, be like Jesus. C is uh, become the channel. Here we go. This is, this is the... This is the the key to all of this. Go to Isaiah 13, verse 12. Isaiah 13, verse 12. Isaiah 13, verse 12. I want us to see what happens when you start focusing on other people. When you become a missionary and you start thinking about somebody else's in your prayer and in terms of what you're doing for them and what the, the thoughts that you have towards these people, go to Isaiah chapter 13, verse 12 and discover this. It says, I will make a man more precious than what? Than gold. Yeah? Yes, more than the golden wedge of Ophir, which was the golden wedge of Ophir was in the, in the, in the Bible times that was a, a, a known piece of gold that was very, very precious. It was priceless. God will make man, a man, more precious than gold. How does this work? Well, when you start loving people, and you start focusing on their needs, and you start ministering to their needs, all of a sudden, these, become, these people become valuable. They become precious. They become precious not only to you, but to other people. We've seen this. We've seen this, how as we've been ministering to people and helping people, uh, as we're trying to do this, other people say, oh, can I also help? And they start saying, like, they, would, they wouldn't have had any concern for these people. 
They wouldn't have thought about their needs. They wouldn't have put the, regarded them as valuable. But when we start showing love for these people and, and trying to help them and trying to, um, to reach these people, and this works for anybody, as soon as you're doing, you do this, all of a sudden, somebody else is watching and they're saying, ah, yeah, I, 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 need to, I need to help that person as well. And all of a sudden, they become very valuable. So we're value-adding. We're value-adding people. Did you know that? We have, you as a, as a missionary, you as a disciple for Jesus, you have the capacity to add value to someone else simply by regarding them as the, the person that you want to reach. The, the attempt that you make to reach them and to help them all of a sudden puts value on them and adds the value. And they become more valuable. And as you help them, and as they, they become a witness themselves, they become value in the, ch in the church. They become valuable to the church and valuable to God. People become more useful to God, don't they? As they become more, as we reach them, they become more useful to God. This is an amazing thing. So it is uh, a wonderful thing that we can, we can tap into this. We can actually make a man more valuable than, than gold. Do you remember the little, the little old lady that uh, the disciples were watching and they, and they saw this little lady that put this uh, very small amount of money into the offering in the temple? you remember that? And then what did Jesus say? Jesus said, Verily I say unto you that this poor widow has cast more in than all they which have cast into the treasury. For they, all, uh, all they did cast in of their abundance, but she of her want did cast in all that she had, even all her living. And so Jesus highlighted what this person had done. And did you know that the story of this woman has become priceless? All over the world, people have heard the story of this woman. Jesus added value to this woman. That little bit of money that she gave with, 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 with God's help has become so valuable to generations of Christians have heard the story. Thousands of people have given, have, have given huge amounts of money just because of this little old lady. And this lady was value added by Jesus. The need to be needed is a way that we can reach people. And um, when this happened, it creates a kind of a snowball effect. You know how a snowball, of, a snowball forms? I don't know. Not many people have have snow falling on their property in southeast Queensland, but those of us who have seen snow, snow forms, you can form a little snowball and make it a little bit bigger. And as you pack on the snow at the top of the hill, you can, you can make it bigger and bigger. And as you push it off over the hill, it becomes bigger and it can even start an avalanche. It can even start an avalanche. So that's how mission works. Mission is like an avalanche. You start very, very small. You put value on somebody who's worth nothing. Worthless. And they become very valuable. As you see they need to be needed, they recognize they need to be needed. All of a sudden, things start happening. Let's go to the next one. I think we're going to lose some of our members if we don't finish quickly. Okay, let's go to the next one. And that is D, discover the power of the promises. There are conditions in the promise. Go, go to Isaiah chapter 1 verse 18. Isaiah chapter 1 verse 18. You know this text. It says, come now, let us reason together. Though your sins be as scarlet, they shall be as white as snow. So this is a reasoning process. God is asking us to use our reasoning powers. Is that correct? Reasoning is part of uh, how God works with his people. And it's all based on God's promises. God asks us to reason. Are these promises reasonable? Are they reasonable or not? Are the conditions, every promise has a condition, right? Are the conditions of God reasonable or not? Or not? Sorry, I'm slipping into Bislamah there. Are they, are they, I said not. <laughs> they recognize that Bislamah there coming up. I want, to show, I want us to look at a text in uh, 2 Corinthians chapter 9, verse 8. This is very important for those who want to become missionaries. Do you want to become a missionary? If so, have a look at 2 Corinthians chapter 9, verse 8. You'll find the most powerful text in the Bible, I think one of the most powerful texts in the Bible, 2 Corinthians chapter 9, verse 8. And in this text, you're going to find seven different absolutes. 2 Corinthians 
2 Corinthians chapter 9, verse 8. This is a very, very powerful text that really, it, it is such an amazing uh, text for those who want to be involved in mission. God is able to make all grace, that's one absolute, all grace, abound towards you so that you always in all things may have all sufficiency to every good work. So did I say that right? 2 Corinthians 9, 9 verse 8. Uh, it says that you always having all sufficiency in all things may, have, may abound to every good work. If you look there, it's got seven different absolutes. All, all, every, abound, always, abound. Everything. You will not lack anything. But I want to ask you, what's the condition for that promise? There's a condition in there. What's the condition of that promise? What is the condition you have to meet in order to claim this promise? God's going to promise you everything. You have all sufficiency in all things. You may abound to every good work. What's the condition? The condition is mission. The condition is mission because it's talking about good work. God will provide everything you need if it's for a good work. I want to propose to you, brothers and sisters at Bodeza Church, if you get serious about mission, you are going to unlock all the promises of God. All the promises are for you if you're involved in mission. Now, we've got to be clear on this. Mission is not just for the missionaries over there. The mission field is where? The mission field is the world. Jesus said the field is the world. Did you read that in the, the sower in Matthew, in Matthew 13? It says the field is the world. Everywhere is the mission field. So don't, don't say over there in the mission field. Dr. Mark over in the mission field. Don't say that. This is the mission field. Boat Desert is the mission field. Just as much as any place, right? If the whole world is the mission field, then we've got to be serious about our mission. Our mission statement, which is in Matthew 28. That's the Christian mission statement. And our mission statement as a church to preach the last message of mercy to this world which is found in uh, Revelation chapter 14, verses 6 to 12. If you are serious about this mission, then God is able to make all grace abound towards you so that you having all sufficiency in all things may abound to every good work. I haven't really got time, but I just want to say one thing, and that is one of the biggest obstacles to someone being involved in God's work is always the mighty dollar. People always say it's so hard because they don't have enough money. They've also got the mortgage to worry about and this and that. And there's no excuse. It is no excuse. Because in Malachi chapter 3 verse 10, it says that prove me now herewith if I will not open for you the windows of heaven so that there will, there will not be room enough to receive it. Is that good enough? What's the condition? Pay a faithful tithe. Simple. It's not hard. Pay a faithful tithe. God will, he will give you everything you need. But you have to be involved in his service, and you have to pay a faithful tithe. We've been paying a tithe even on... Donations, where some people say, Why, what, are you, what are you paying a, a tithe on donations? Don't do that. That's, this is God's work. You don't pay a tithe on that. I want to pay tithe. Because I know that when we prepare the tithe, God prepares. What's the tithe? How much is it? 10%. So when we, while we're busy preparing the tithe, what's God doing? He's busy preparing the rest of it, right? We don't have to worry about the nine-tenths. All we have to worry about is the one-tenth. God is so reasonable. Come now, let us reason, reason together. He says, if, you want, if you're really struggling with finances, just focus on that tithe. Get the tithe ready. Sometimes we've actually, we've actually prepared the tithe in advance of a need. You know what I'm saying? 
we knew that we needed we needed we needed an aircraft, so we started saving tide towards the aircraft. We didn't have the money for the aircraft. God gave us $172,000 worth of aircraft. When we walked down to the wharf, I went to pick up the aircraft. It was in a container. The wings had been taken off and put on the sides in, inside the container. When, we, when I walked down to the wharf to pick up the aircraft, I walked into the customs office because I thought I'm going to pay a hefty fee here. And he said, okay, that'll be 750 vatu, which is... $7.50. So I, I said, okay, that's, that must be the fee for the, for the, for the form, the form fee. That's it, okay, and what else do I have to pay? I said, no, that's it. And then I said, but you mean I, that's finished? And he said, yes. Then I said, you mean I can go and get the, the plane? <laughs> yes. You mean now I can go and get the plane? Yes. So I walked over to the had the key, walked over to the container, unlocked it, opened it up, and my eyes settled on an aircraft worth 172000 cost $7.50. A friend of ours heard about this, and that we were claiming 2 Corinthians <coughs> 9 verse 8. His son does calligraphy. He wrote, he, he, he wrote out 2 Corinthians 9 verse 8. And he put inside the frame, he put $7.50, and he said, underneath it says, here's another $7.50 in case you need another aircraft. <laughs> God is able to make all grace abound towards you, so that you always, having all sufficiency in all things, may abound to every good work. Does God keep his promises? Amen. Prove me now. Prove me now herewith. If I, if I will not open for you the windows of heaven and I will pour out such a blessing, you won't be able to receive it. There won't be room to receive the blessings. We're nearly finished. That's D, claiming the promises of God, discovering the power of God's promises. Let's go to E, which is the everything bit. Everything. Everything in us around us, everything we own, everything we are, must be placed on the altar if we want to be involved in mission. Have a look at Luke chapter 14, verse 33. You're never going to get away from this text. This text is a text that no disciple will be able to run away from. Have a look at Luke, at Luke chapter 14, verse 33. Luke chapter 14, verse 33. This is the everything text. This is the everything text. If you want to be a missionary... You're going to get stuck on this one unless you give everything. Have a look at Luke 14, verse 33. It says, Likewise, whosoever he be of you that forsaketh not all that he has, he cannot be my disciple. It's a pretty strong text, isn't it? It's a very strong one. What it, it doesn't, what it does, it's not saying that we actually have to give away, oh, I've got a tie, I've got to give away my tie. Uh, I've got a shirt, I've got to give, unless the Lord wants that shirt for some other purpose, it all depends on what he says. If God wants me to have this tie, fine. If he wants somebody else to have the tie, let it be. We must be detached from everything we own. Let's not hold on to any pet theories or thoughts. Let's not hold on to any pet feelings or emotions. Let's not hold on to any pet activities or entertainments. Everything must go. Everything. Are you sure you want to be a missionary? Are you sure? Are you sure about this? It's, it could cost you everything you have. But don't worry, because the rewards are out of this world. They're literally out of this world. In giving ourselves to God, steps to Christ, we must necessarily give up all that would separate us from Him. Hence the Savior says, Whosoever He be of you that forsaketh not all that He has, He cannot, He cannot be my disciple. What's, whatever shall draw away the heart from God must be given up. 
Mammon is the idol of many. The love of money, the desire for wealth is the golden chain that binds them to Satan. Reputation and worldly honor are worshipped by another class. The life of selfish ease and freedom from responsibility is the idol of others. But these slavish bands must be broken. We cannot be half the Lord's and half the world's. We are not God's children unless we are such entirely. Are you with me? Forsake everything unless God says, okay, you'll be needing this. You'll be needing this. Jesus was consumed with the concept of mission. And he wants to give his disciples the same consuming, all-encompassing purpose in life. 100% meaning, 100% purpose to live. I live for this entirely. I am here for this completely. My whole lifestyle, my whole message, my whole mission is based on Jesus. Do you want to be a missionary? Are you sure you want to be a missionary? If you